spite of our weakness. He makes provision for our weakness. See, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful. Somebody say, but God. But God. But God. The temptation is going to come, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear, but with every temptation, he will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It's not a wrong thing to be tempted. The wrong thing happens when we do not take the way of escape when God, that God gave us. The door is right there. And if my temptation is right here, all I got to do is go through that. All I got to do is delete that phone number. All I got to do is turn my head and not wonder. All I got to do is stay focused on my family and my kids and my wife. All I got to do is because the temptation is there, but I got to hit that door. I, I've been, you know, been trying to go to the gym a little more here lately. But, but how many know when you're trying to go to the gym, everything else like sweets look better. I've been trying to go to the gym, and I have never been invited to go eat with y'all as much as y'all have invited me here lately. Hey, Pastor Man, what are you doing for dinner? What are you doing for dinner? What are you doing for dinner? And I'm like, man, I'm trying to lose weight. But I can't tell you no. God said, with every temptation you face, there will be a door of escape. But when we close the door that we're that's supposed to lead us to an escape. When we close that door, we fall into temptation. David, he said, you know what? I hear what you're saying. She's someone's daughter. She's someone's wife. But I got to have her call her up here. David has sex with her. David, uh, it, This is crazy because it's the same verse. It said he has sex with her, and then she said, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. He has sex with her. I'm pregnant. Few minutes of fame cause a whole lot of pain. I'm pregnant. So David, he does what every cheating, lying man would do. <laughs> hey, call your husband, tell him to have sex with you, hurry. So we can say it's his. So he did. Uriah, Uriah, come home. Uriah, her husband, was fighting in a war. Uriah, her husband, was battling. For King David, he was serving King David, and he David called him from the from the battlefield. Said, "Come home, go lay with your wife." Uriah's so faithful, so much of a good guy. He says, "You know what, David? My 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 troops, the troops are out there fighting, and you're here. I'm not gonna go home and and be merry and and and, and lay with my wife. I'm gonna lay here at your doorstep." David was like, "Oh man." David's like, well, come upstairs and, and have a couple of drinks with me. David got him nice and drunk. He said, now go home to your wife. He said, nope. I'm going to stay here and serve you, David. So David does what every lying, cheating man would do. He calls. I need y'all to put Uriah in the front lines. And when the battle starts getting heated... I need everybody to leave so Uriah can be killed. And that's what happens. 
Because when you sin, you take sin to cover your sin and sin to cover your sin and sin. Yeah, I know, I know. Listen, Pastor Manny, nobody talks about sin no more, man. You will run off everybody. Let me tell you something. God has called us to preach the gospel. Our Christian, our Christian life is marked by change, not comfort. And so, so, so I need you to understand that we are preaching gospel. We are preaching change. And whenever we, look, your sin won't unravel God's grace, but it will unravel your life quicker than you can think about it so David done sexed her he done uh, sent her husband to be killed at the front lines he killed the man died in war serving David and then you know so so David was destined for greatness he was distracted uh, by his weakness and then what happens is his boy comes and says hey man God is not proud of you. Nathan came and said, God is not proud of you. God, God is actually disappointed in you. God is going to, because you did what you did, God is going to, uh, uh, the consequences of your action are going to be lived not only in your life, but in your children's life. And that baby that, God, that, that David made with Bathsheba, the baby began to get sick. And so... 2 Samuel 12, 16, David therefore pleaded with God for the child and fasted. And he went in and laid with, he laid on the floor, he laid on the ground all night long. See, he was destined for greatness, but he was distracted by weakness. But then he got delusional with regret. See, when we intentionally fall into our weakness we often have to deal with the regret that happens with our weakness. We have to live with the regret. We feel like we need to punish ourselves. We feel like we're deserving of whatever consequence that comes our way. We feel like, you know what, I'm done. And, and, and David began to deal with this, this thing. And it says, look at this. He said he didn't eat and he laid all night on the ground. Sound like depression. Sound like he was dealing with depression. I messed up. God, I'm sorry. My, 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 my son is sick. I apologize. I wish I didn't get caught. See, there is a difference between regret and repentance. Regret says, I'm sorry I got caught. Regret says, I feel like I need to, you know, I deserve the consequences that I'm getting. Repentance says, I'm turning away and I'll never go back. See, I think that's one thing that, that, that we've confused and there's a gray area in is just because we feel bad, we think that, that, that God's going to pat us on the back, it's going to be all right. But I can tell you something, it's, it's the regret that'll kill you, it's the repentance that'll save you. See, regret, regret caused, regret caused um, Judas to go hang himself after he turned Jesus into the centurion soldiers. Regret made Judas go and hang himself. But repentance caused Peter to come back and to be a disciple again. It's the difference between regret and repentance. And too many of us live with regret and we beat ourselves up. But God says, if you would just repent, I'll take you back and I'll change your life. I'll pick you up and I'll place you where you need to be placed. Once we decide that we are going to repent means repent means to 
to turn around and go the opposite direction. So I'm going to repent from going this way and I'm going to pursue Christ. And I'm not going to pursue Christ with regret in my heart, but I'm going to pursue Christ with a thanksgiving. Watch what David does in, as, as all this was going down. See, David is not only the guy we're talking about in 2 Samuel, but he's also the guy that wrote the book of Psalms. And so while David is dealing with this regret over killing Uriah and having a baby uh, with Bathsheba, as he's dealing with all that, he begins to write Psalms 51, 12. It says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach. He said, give me, give me joy back. And then I will go and teach trans, transgressors your way and sinners shall be converted. He's saying, if you'll save me, I repent from you. I just need you to use me so sinners can see that you are still a gracious God, that you are still a loving God. He, David lost his son. The son died. But David still wrote, still use me, God. Restore unto me the joy. See, what happens is when we fall as Christians and believers is we, 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 we live with regret and the joy of our salvation is sucked away by decisions that we make. But we serve a God that if we repent to him, he says, I'll restore unto you your joy. I'll make you glad to be saved again. I'll make you glad to have purpose again. I'll give it all back to you. David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So David was destined for greatness, distracted by weakness, delusional with regret. But then here's how he dealt with regret. He dealt with his pain through worship. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20, just a few verses up. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. David said, I can either sit here and be depressed, not eat and stay on the floor or I can make up in my mind that God can give me my, my joy, the joy of my salvation back. He will, watch this verse, he can deliver me from the guilt and the bloodshed. He can, he can cause me to sing praises to his name. It says that he, he got up off the ground, push your neighbor and say, get up. He washed and put, anointed himself and changed his clothes. I love this, I love this, I love this. He said, what I used to look like when I was depressed is not what I'm going to look like when I worship. Your worship transforms who you are. Your worship, yeah, yeah. He says get, he'll give us beauty for ashes, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I came to tell somebody in the building that your worship is the antidote to depression. Worship is the antidote to regret. Worship is the antidote to guilt. Worship is the antidote to condemnation. Once you be set aside that I am not going to stay here any longer, but I'm going to worship God. He came to me when I I was hurting he saved me when I was lost he found me when I was running he is my God and he's worthy to be worshiped I don't know who I'm talking to but you can win if you worship you can overcome if you worship David said what I did was wrong but I'm not gonna let that be who I am identified by I will be identified as a worshiper of God I'll worship him 
In spite of what I look like to you, I might have messed up. I might have fallen, but that's not where I'm going to be. I am going to be on worship. I am going to look to him instead of looking at myself. I ain't going to look at my mistake, but I'm going to look at Calvary. Because when I look at my mistake, I get depressed. But when I look at Calvary and see Jesus hanging on the cross, I say he was beaten for my sins. He was wounded for my transgression bruised from my iniquity. I look at Jesus and say he is worthy to be worshipped and everything about my life changes. Yes, I live with regret. Yes, I had condemnation. Yes, I had a weakness. But I worship him in spite of where I've been. I worship him in spite of my weakness. Because he sent Jesus to die in my place. David should have been killed. David should have been, he should have been done. But God had mercy. Reminds me of me. I shouldn't have made it this far. But God was faithful. I should have died a long time ago. But God has been good. It might remind you about you. You should have lost your mind. You should have lost your family. You should have lost your job. But God is faithful. And it's found in your worship. David said, I choose to worship God. I don't, I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to lay here on the floor. I make a conscious decision to say, I love you. I need you. I'm not worthy. You protected me. You saved me. You love me in spite of where I've been. You never left me. When I ran from you, you stood by my side. When I tried to outrun you, you stood right next to me. The same David that we're talking about wrote this psalm. Where can I go to escape your presence? If I make my bed in the highest mountains, you were there. And if I make my bed in hell, you are still there. See, it's that David that reminds me of this. I can't outrun God. And he's with me in the middle. He's with me. He was with me when it was exciting to be anointed as king. But he was even with me in the middle of my life when I was messing up, acting wild, doing crazy things. When people were hurting me, people were lying on me, people were cheating. He, he was with me in there. He was with me when they left me. He was with me when they betrayed me. He was with me all these times. And so I worship him. But it don't stop there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We worship him to deal with pain. But I'm also dedicated to redemption. See, the same David that messed up, slept with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, killed her husband, lost the baby, went through depression, worshiped his way out of depression. Put that next verse up there. Verse number 24. Then David comforted his wife. He just lost, the, the baby died. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went and lay with her, and she bore a son, another son. Somebody say another son. Another son. 
She bore another son. Let me tell you something. Everything that you lost during your time of regret, God said, I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to give you another son. I'm going to give you another opportunity. But this is not going to be just an average opportunity. He said, I'll give you another son. She bore another son, and he called his name Solomon. Let me tell you who Solomon was. Solomon, it, 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 God calls him. Solomon, he, God said, what do you want from me? And Solomon said, I want wisdom. And, Sol- and God told Solomon, because you didn't ask for riches, because you didn't ask me to extend your life, I'm going to give you wisdom. And no one will be as smart as you before. No one has been as smart as you before. And nobody will be as smart as you ever. The smartest man that, li- ever, that ever lived and ever will live, his name was Solomon. And not only was he the most wisest man, he was the richest man that ever lived. If Solomon was to be in 2018, he would be worth trillions of dollars. What's that mean, Manny? When you worship through your pain and you're dedicated to redemption, God will give you a second chance, but the second chance that you get is going to give you wisdom and it's going to give you prosperity. And I came to tell somebody in the building that you have met, we, maybe you messed up, maybe you got a weakness, but that weakness that you overcome, when you overcome that weakness, God says, I'm going to give you wisdom in that area, and I'm going to give you prosperity in your life. I'm going to bless you. Yes, you hurt yourself. Yes, you disappointed yourself, but I'm going to give you something that the world can't take away. I'll give you wisdom, and I'll give you prosperity. Prosperity in your soul, prosperity in your family, prosperity in your finances because you overcame the weakness and the depression and the regret couldn't kill you I'm going to give you something back I'll give you your joy back your peace back your family back everything you lost is coming back somebody say it's coming back to me come on somebody say it's coming back to me Every tear you cried, every disappointment you experienced, God said, I'm going to give it back to you. What the enemy stole from you, I'll return it to you. The thing that you forfeited, the thing that you lost, I'll give it all back to you and I'll call it Solomon. Somebody say Solomon. I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to give you riches. Come on, is there anybody that wants wisdom in the building? Is there anybody that wants riches in the building? I don't know, and I ain't talking just about money. I want richness in my soul. I want my mind right, my emotions right. I want my relationships right. Everything that I lost, I want it back, and I want it back better. Somebody say better. So, watch this. Psalms 126.5, and I'm done. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. What's that mean, Manny? Everything you cried about is about to come back into your life. Everything you lost in times of pain and frustration, everything you lost whenever you were not, when you were running from God or a mistake that happened in your life, God said, I'm going to give you everything the devil stole from you. You left crying, but you're going to come back rejoicing. There is a rejoicing that's going to be in your life that is not going to. So you started with the promise. You saw the purpose. But here's what I want to tell you. He is the God of your middle. He is the God of your right now. 
God is with you. So, Pastor Manny, what am I supposed to take away? Here's what you take away. Here's the challenge that I have for you. Start living your life as if you know without a shadow of a doubt that God is with me right now, that God has a plan for my life right now, that God is the God of the middle for me right now. I serve a God who is a God, not just at the beginning of a thing, who's worthy of worship at the end of a thing, but I serve a God who's with me through struggles, through good times, through bad times, through good choices, through bad disappoint, through bad disappointments, through, through, through prosperity, through promotion. He's the God of the middle of my life. He's the God. We all have a, a birth date and a death date, but he's the God of the middle. He will be with me through the very end. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And so here's who I need to pray for today. I need to pray for the person who you say, I'm struggling with a weakness in my life. I have a weakness. I have a propensity. I have an iniquity. I need to remind you that Jesus was hung up for your hang up, that Jesus died for your every sin, that he will fix you in spite of what you looks like right now. He loves you. And this is the thing about God. If you come with a repentant heart, he accepts you and he don't just leave you there. He'll change you into the man you're supposed to be. So, so I want to pray for the person who's living and you say, I got this weakness. And I also want to pray with a person who says, I've been living with regret. I messed up. I failed. I hurt people. And I need God to remove that guilt from my life. I need God to fix the weakness. See, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. I need God to fix the weakness. I also need God to help me with this regret. Because this regret, I might not be killing myself outwardly, but this regret is killing me inwardly. And I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with self-esteem issues. I'm struggling with self-hate and struggling with these areas. You're in the building. I want you to know we're here to pray for you. I got a weakness, Manny. Whatever your weakness is, I don't care. I don't care what it is because I know who God is. I know what God does. I know how he, he Pastor Manny, my, my weakness is not something that people know about. I deal with it every day. God knows about it. Your family is suffering because of your weakness. Your children are suffering because of your weakness. You're suffering. Your relationships are suffering. They're also suffering with regret. Stop letting the weakness eat you up. Stop letting regret devour your life. And say, God, I do need help. I'm hurting. I'm frustrated. I need help. How do I get help? Turn to Jesus. Remember the cross. There's no condemnation in your life when you surrender your entire you to Jesus. So I don't know who I'm talking to today. But I do know this. Everyone in this room, you were designed for greatness. All of us, we often get, we sometimes get distracted by our weakness. We deal with regret. But we also have a hope of worship. We also have a hope of redemption. So whoever you are, I'm talking to you. Let's stand up together. <laughs>